Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This podcast on the Blue Wire Network is brought to you by TickPick.com, where you can go and get $10 off your first order using the backslash breakdown when you put in the website URL. So go to TickPick.com slash breakdown, get $10 off your first order. Reminder, you've heard me talking about them all season, TickPick, the original no-fee site. So what you see as far as the pricing goes when you check out is what you get. At the end, when you end up paying with your credit card or whatever form of payment you use, that's why they're special. They also rate the deals for the seats for you, which is uh, which is not unique, but also very helpful when you're not getting additional unforeseen uh, surging fees that, that annoy you at the end of a ticket purchase. So if you want to go week 17, Browns might still have a chance to get the division at that point. Uh, go ahead and get those tickets now, tickpick.com slash breakdown. Welcoming in Jordan Zern from the Checkdown. Jordan, thank you very much for joining us, man. Uh, busy time of year. Hopefully your Christmas went well, right? Christmas was all good, man. It's um, I'm uh, I'm back in Cleveland for a bit, um, so it's nice to be home, nice to be with family, and uh, yeah, despite uh, despite all the the COVID stuff going on everywhere, um, it's good to be good to be back, spend some time with this family. So hope yours went well as well. Yeah, man, went really well as far as packing a bunch of people into a small home can do. I mean, we, we did okay. <laughs> yeah. We did okay. Um, so we have to talk about the Browns who. Listen, it feels like there have been seven different times you've said the season's dead. I did a show yesterday with Stephen Thomas where we talked about really not the wide range of outcomes for them to get into the playoffs here. It's sort of bananas that they can be as as frustrating as they've been two games out of uh, a real realistic chance to control their own destiny if the two early games go right Sunday. And it's wild, man. Like what has – I guess my question is what has to happen – in your opinion, for them to win these last two games? Where does it have to start and finish? Like, I think the defense is playing well, Jordan. I don't think that's a secret. They held Green Bay to three points in the second half. But is it a quarterback, play calling, lack of run game? Like, where does it uh, where does it get fixed for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know where I'm at, and I think we're probably on similar pages here. But I, I just think you have to have – I'm not even asking for elite quarterback play anymore because um, I think that <laughs> that ship is sailed. But I'm asking for um, just average quarterback play from Baker Mayfield because I think what we saw with Baker outside of a couple drives against Green Bay, and this has kind of been, you know, the whole season. I felt like that, that Green Bay game was very much an encapsulation of sort of Baker's entire season where sandwiched <laughs> sandwiched outside of, you know, a couple of decent drives. Um, Baker Mayfield just is, he's not even making um, just simple throws anymore. Um, you know, I think I was doing a little bit of writing this morning and, and some, some tweeting and that, that final drive, you know, the, the two misses to David and Joku really just sta- stand out in my mind. There was um, the first one that he threw behind in Joku and Joku was breaking towards the sideline wide open and, and Baker throws it behind him and it's a drop. And then, the second one where Njoku's running a nice little over route towards the towards the other sideline and Baker just puts it too far out in front of him and he can't come down with it. And and both of those catches just change that drive, you know, completely. It's no guarantee that they they score a touchdown. It's no guarantee they 
they get into field goal range and are ready to, you know, make a kick with the with a kicker that who knows if he would have made it. You know, that would have been a toss up at that point, but it, it would have complete you both of those are first downs, both of those are are chunk plays and it and it would have just really, you know, not had Baker trying to force in a pass to sort of DPJ that at the end of the game that um, you know, resulted in an interception. So it's just for me, it's like these passes that are open they are not difficult they're not you know throws into tight windows they're not really contested catches for the receivers you got to be able to hit those and I think we saw far too many times on Saturday just missing easy throws with guys open that you didn't used to be a thing we're accustomed to but this this season it's become just don't know where the ball's going when he lets it go um and so for me Jake I think these next two games man especially against the Steelers a a beat up team that is playing really bad football. You know, you have every chance in the world to beat them. I think they're playing much worse than they were even when the Browns lost to them the first time around. And part of that is going to be having Baker Mayfield just make the simple throws when, when guys are open. So for me, that's going to be the biggest thing. And I think you'll know pretty early on in that game, what his accuracy is looking like, what his footwork is looking like and whether or not the Browns are going to sort of have a chance in that game. It does. It does come down to Mayfield, and I think that you made a point there. Um, you know, I, I put that ball up on the tee for you, so you know. Take, take <laughs> I think we all can agree. I mean, you can get nitpicky about about uh, about sure. in some scenarios. You know, after the game, I thought there were a couple times where I'm like, okay, they're down about the 35. They've run several successful run plays to get to the 35, and then they try to throw a couple times, and it's like, you know, didn't work out. So should they be running it? You know, I kind of get it, but it's like, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. I think a couple things need to happen. I think people need to understand how running back rotations work in the NFL. Okay. Like Nick Chubb is tired. Nick Chubb takes Nick Chubb off the field. There is not Nick Chubb in the huddle and Kevin Stefanski is waving for him to get off the field or, or whoever. I cannot remember who's coaching the running backs right now. They're not waving him off the field. He's coming out because he's tired. He's had several straight touches or he's run a couple routes and he needs to come off the field. That part is something people are not understanding. He comes off because he wants to. Now, when they have Kareem, they do put Kareem in in certain situations because, hey, you know, Kareem's a pretty good football player too. It's okay to have him out for some scenarios where you think you're going to use a little bit more of his pass game ability, right? So, I think that's something that bothers me is this this continued talk about he didn't have Nick Chubb on the field, he's on the bench. That's not his decision. Like Nick comes off when Nick's tired. Nick has dealt with some COVID stuff, and since he's come back from COVID and the calf stuff, he's kind of not been himself. Like he's fine, he's good, he's pretty good, really good. He's not been like the guy that we all and teams around the NFL kind of drool over, right? Jordan, like I'm not losing my mind there. I think Nick is really good, but he's not like I, I don't even know how to say it without sounding offensive. You get what I'm getting at here? Like, yeah. he's not that extra level that makes him, oh, that's Nick Chubb. Like, there's been some of that missing post-calf, post-COVID for him. And I, I just would love to, he would never tell you this, but I would just love to see if there's something going on there. Yeah, 100%. I, that's spot on. I thought that game against the Packers was the first time where it looked like Nick Chubb was himself again. I thought he was 
um, less hesitant. Um, I think we saw these past few weeks the, since he's back from COVID just kind of, you know, not really hitting those cuts that he usually makes with sort of authority. Like it looked like he was spending a little more time in the backfield and just sort of was unsure where to go and what he was doing. And that's definitely out of character for him. So I definitely thought this game against the Packers was the first time where, man, yeah, he made some cuts in that game that reminded you of what he was doing, you know, that first sort of half of the season. Um, but you're right too. And the, the, the thing that's so wild to me is like one, Nick Chubb taking himself out was on television like that when they started that last drive they ran two straight runs to Chubb and then they threw him a screen and at the end of the screen he looked like he was about to pass out you know and they were going no huddle so there was no time for him to even catch his breath whatsoever that's the end of the game we're in the fourth quarter and 100% I don't think people are I mean look what COVID did to Miles last season like this is something as a pro athlete when you need all the lung capacity you can possibly have like it takes time to come back from that um and so Nick's, Nick went right to the sideline. He was like, I need, you know, like, I'm not going to be effective if you guys give me the ball on this next play. Um, now, there was an injury uh, on that screen pass, so he had a couple of uh, extra seconds. But, but the same thing is, like, this idea that I've seen, especially on Twitter, of, like, just simply run the ball again and again and again, and the returns are going to be exactly the same. You know, these people are like, oh, he had eight yards of carry. I oh, had seven yards of carry. Just give it to him three more times, and you're down at the – 30 kick the field goal is just like not I, it's just such an unrealistic thing to say like every run play is going to have the same outcome um and again for me like I, I think yes could Stefanski does Stefanski sometimes go away from the run maybe a little bit too early or does he sometimes you know they've had a couple runs in a row have been success, successful he could just go to it again just see like a little bit of a heat check see how it's going yeah I do think he sometimes has a tendency to do that but at the same time this is kind of what I harped on about this game, especially that last drive. You can't just, I have no issue with Stefanski doing, okay, we've run it successfully a couple of times in a row. Let's line up and let's surprise them with a pass. Let's have them thinking we're going to run it again because it's been so successful. Let's try to switch it up. And to me, it's like, if you don't have a quarterback that can simply just make some of these basic throws. And I thought Stefanski on that last drive, those, those play, those passing plays, guys were open. Like they're, they were good calls. Guys were wide open. Baker just missed the throws. And so to me, it's not like we're looking at, I, I think process over, or I'm sorry, results over process, which I always think is a terrible way to look at stuff. You know, yes. Did Baker miss those throws? Sure. Was Baker having a bad day throwing the ball? Yes, but you can't just all of a sudden be like, well, guess we can't have the quarterback throw the ball anymore. Like, that's just not how it's going to be. Like, you have to be able to ask your quarterback to try and make those throws. I don't care if Baker had thrown 10 interceptions that day. You still have to have confidence that your NFL starting quarterback, your number one draft pick, can make some of those throws. So I, I really sort of bristle at the idea that, like, they could have just handed the ball off 19 more times and they would have won that football game. I just don't think it's a realistic way to look at um, how the game is played and and how the game was going. It's just, you have to be able to switch it up and guys were open, Jake, you know, like it's no secret <laughs> guys were open. They should have won that game. Um, and they just, their quarterback didn't make the plays. So, um, so yeah, it's a, I guess a long winded way of saying, yes, does, does Stefanski, can you nitpick? Like you said, absolutely. Um, but overall, like if you look at it under the full umbrella, I, I, I find it very difficult to get upset with, um, really any of the play calling, especially late in that game. It's like, okay, so you posted, we're recording this midday Monday, about about 3 Eastern. You posted a photo on Twitter an hour ago where they ran a concept called Double China. It's a three-by-one concept where you have two square ends outside by numbers one and two, outside two guys, and a corner route by number three in David Njoku. 
He doesn't even see Jarvis Landry. It's man to man. It is no. There's no. Doesn't even look at him. Doesn't yeah. even see the square in from Jarvis. And and really, Donovan Peoples Jones square in is fine to throw too. But Jarvis is running right across the, the the G emblem at midfield, wide open, like a clear two steps on his guy. Now he throws David. David also okay to throw to there. Not really yep. a big quabble with it. The thing is that he does. I think I just made up a word there. I think that the the, the throw. <laughs> Is, is missed. Like people are arguing that Najoku rounded his route. No, you don't make that a sale route. You don't make it a hard 10 yard out because if you do and the ball's thrown on a 10 yard out from that distance, hash to, to outside the numbers, it's undercut and picked off. It's still thrown as a corner route. It's just broken off to an extent because you get collisioned and you can't truly run it like a corner route to the pylon. So you're, you're cutting it. He just missed it. So like, you, you, your point here is if you want the Browns to run it more, hey, run it more. There are 57 seconds left on the screenshot. I get it. They have three timeouts. But what if in this scenario with Chris Nagar, their young kicker, who's already missed a PAT, you really don't want to put a tough, tough kick on his lap. You run it twice, and you get four yards. You get a – hell, you even get a first down, you get 10 yards. And now you're down with one timeout to 40 seconds left. Yep. What, what have you accomplished? What have you accomplished? You have to, if you continue to do the whataboutism of Baker Mayfield by saying Stefanski's not giving them, you, you should run it, give it to your best player. Well, they gave it to their best player last week, and you wanted Nick Mullins to, to, to throw it. So now we're going away from that. We're back to the whataboutism of Baker Mayfield. If you're ignoring that elephant in the room, which is, hey, I have an, an offensive coordinator here who can dial up plays with players open. And again, not the most skilled wide receiver talent in the world, not the most skilled offensive line right now, short some people. He's doing enough to get people open, but your your complaint is that it's on Stefanski for not running the ball. It's 2022 now in the NFL, and if you can't rely on your quarterback in a league that is truly built to protect him and give him every opportunity to thrive, if you can't have any trust in that player, then that is the elephant that you need to kind of get your mind around, Right. Like get your mind around, or it's ne- that that is where some people have gotten to right now, and that's where some people are, are fighting. And again, I don't blame the fighters. They have watched in this whole sentiment, Jordan, about well, if you don't like Baker, then you don't appreciate the things that came before him. We all know they sucked. Stop. We all know that. We're I not, hate that. I hate that argument so much. <laughs> the dumbest so thing in the I, world. Yeah. <laughs> we all know they suck, but we are not talking about getting the Browns to two and fourteen anymore. We're talking about how do the seven and seven Browns get to, to 12 and five or whatever the new number is, 13 and five, and get to a Super Bowl. That's what we're worried about. The Browns are not going to be stupid. They're not going to cut Baker Mayfield to start some moron. They're going to keep him as long as it's beneficial. If there is an upgrade available, they will consider it. There is not a doubt in my mind they will consider it. It's just so weird seeing people go back and forth on like, I support Baker, but they need to run the ball. They've got to run the football, right? Like that to me is the strangest thing of you have this. Do people have any idea how hard it is to call good plays in the NFL and to tell your offensive coordinator, hey, listen, you can't actually run this play because the quarterback struggles with it. You can't really throw it here because he can't see that part of the field or he doesn't process it well or his mechanics are off. So you're going to need to do this other thing. And if that other thing fails, they're probably going to blame you. So it's just, it's, it's an ultimate lose, lose for Stefanski in terms of like where the blame gets shifted. And I feel for him. I, 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 I I feel for him, man. That's kind of all I'll say about it. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, 
And I think, you know, remember too, like the Packers have had, especially second half of the season, have had one of the best secondaries in all the NFL. And so you you look at some of these plays late in the game where Stefanski, again, like you said, is dialing up some schemes and play calls that are getting guys wide open against, you know, a very good secondary. Um, and it's just, yeah, some of the mentions that I got, you know, where people were <laughs> being like, well, you know, it's a, obviously it's a good play call and guys are open, but Stefanski should know that Baker's not playing well today. And thing. like, the th- and it's like, look, that is, that should not be, that's not a consideration. You know, that like should not be a consideration. Boyle. Like he's Nick yes. Boyle. Like, like, like he's Nick Mullins. Like you had to scale the playbook back to like run three or four passes because he's been on your team for a week. You know, it's just like we can't be at that point. And it is just, again, like I know it's hard and I know it's like not fun for people to think about like Baker Mayfield not being the guy. But like yeah. when the, you're getting these comments, it's like, why are we we're just tiptoeing around the issue again at this point? Um, and, I, and I get it, Jordan. I understand. Where oh, and I, I also get it. It's hard. Yeah, I get it, it is hard. They wanted him to be the savior. We went through the the worst of the worst. I'm watching the Texans beat the Chargers with that roster. And I'm like, yep. what on earth? And we went through terrible stuff. We went through it, too. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to say, eh. You can't get, can't ask for any better than what we're getting because of what we went through. Like we have to understand that there are better options that are out there eventually. Now, whether those options are attainable is one thing you can discuss, but there are better options than what Baker Mayfield is. And that could, that can kind of go to where we need to discuss Jordan is what is Baker Mayfield. He, he, again, this is a, a real life discussion that I think has to happen where people need to come to an understanding about what he is. Okay. He had a, a really nice start to 2018. And we're going to go through this again. And if you've heard me talk about it, that's fine. Maybe you want to mute it, but I'm going to go through my philosophy and throw it to Jordan. He can add and pick and do whatever he wants with it. Had a nice start to his rookie campaign. People didn't know how to defend him in the NFL yet. And he still did a nice job. The thing that was encouraging the numbers were not great in structure, okay? It's relatively normal for a rookie quarterback as the game's flying around. But what we loved was outside of structure, he was fantastic, okay? I think if I'm looking at 2018, he made 18 um, big-time throws, and or sorry, 40 big-time throws in 2018, okay? That's an insanely great number, all right, uh, dealing with the situation he was dealing with. When he was under pressure, all right, he had – 12 big-time throws under pressure alone. Outside of structure, he had 18 big-time throws. We all remember them. He was out of the pocket against the Falcons. Big-time throw to Higgins where he was scrambling. Touchdown, 40-yarder. There was scramble left touchdown against the against the Panthers that was in the to Jarvis Landry. It was, a fun, it was an awesome play. Great Jake, play. Jake, I, real quick on that, too. Like, that throw to Landry against the Panthers, I don't think – I don't think I've seen since. And that's what's so crazy is because like that pass was absolutely insane. And a couple of the other ones you mentioned were like, yes, rolling out a structure, not on platform for every throw, but just making these throws. And like, I think about that throw to Landry and it's like, man, I, maybe the throw to Odell against the Bengals, the first year Odell was here where he sort of rolls out, kind of flips the hips and throws it to Odell, but still not the level of difficulty, but man, it's just, Thinking about that throw, I was like, man, I just haven't even seen that again from him. Anyway, continue. Just That just sort of popped into my head. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So that, that hope after 2018 was, hey... Out like when he gets out of structure, he can he can make and that's what we thought about him coming out of Oklahoma. And what I was so excited about after 18, I made a montage of throws. He had a couple against the Texans where he stepped up and slid out of the pocket. Think of the touchdown ball he almost threw to uh in the in the Texans game where Callaway fumbled on the two yard line. That was oh my he gosh. stepped up and, and and it was a it was a rocket 30 yards downfield into Callaway. Saying now Callaway fumbled before he got in the end zone. But that's there are numerous examples. I there's like I think it was 18. I've talked to John Costco, Pro Football Focus, about this several times. It was a ton. It was great. And that's why we were so encouraged. Like, naturally, the progress of Baker after 18 is things will start to slow down. He's not only going to be a pretty nice player outside of the pocket, as we've seen, he also can start to figure some things out in the pocket. Now, 2019 was a disaster, a huge wake-up call for him. Teams started to figure out, hey, why are we letting this guy get easy escape routes out of the pocket? We're just going to, instead of rushing him upfield, letting him step slide or barreling it, we're going to just condense the pot. The old Bill Belichick theory. Bill Belichick says, I never want to have speed edge guys because I want guys who will put the tackle in the quarterback's lap. That's what they did. The NFL altered their approach. They said, hey, we're gonna we're done blitzing this guy. Why do we blitz him? Let's drop seven into coverage and make him beat coverage. They adjusted to him. He did not adjust. All of 2019 for him was a struggle because he kept trying to scramble, kept trying to scramble, couldn't figure out the instructor stuff, and we saw the results. 20-plus interceptions. It was a completely huge, massive year of learning for him. Okay, fine. Go to 2020, uh, the 2020 season, the first seven weeks, learning a new offense, going under center often. A lot of learning was going on. Was playing really bad football, had not figured it out. He starts to figure it out because what does he do in 2020? that starts to accentuate some of the strengths that he has. He's getting, finally gets down the footwork of play action concepts and does a fantastic job of hitting those layup throws, okay? Here's where Mayfield was good, play action. And again, not everybody's great at play action, but he's he's pretty good at it last year. 106 of 160, 66-3 completion percentage, 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns, one pick, 12 big-time throws. Great, love it. That's exactly what you want. That he had kept turnover worthy plays down to four. The thing is, when he goes non play action, that's where things start to uptick for him. 
He has, you put Mayfield in straight drop situations, those predictable situations, which you cannot avoid in the NFL. This is why there were still people after a stellar end to the season last year, a 10 game stretch, again, a nice 10 game stretch where he was playing as well from a metric standpoint uh, from pro football focus, not really the EPA CPOE stuff, uh, but he was playing really well from a metric standpoint because he was making the layup throws. And he was making them relatively well. That's why a lot of people said, okay, he could be better than Kirk Cousins. He can be better than those types of guys. That's where the, the promise comes in. He's finally figured out. Now it's like, okay, he's finally figured out the in-structure stuff. Look at this. He's throwing in rhythm. We're optimistic about it. Start adding in the out-of-structure stuff, and you got a real guy here. Well, the out-of-structure stuff has never come back. I think out-of-structure, he has only had 12 big-time throws out-of-structure since the start of 2019. It's never come back. And the start of his second season – Think about how many times you guys have watched this where Mayfield rolls out of the pocket, nothing comes of it. He's either sacked, scrambles for a yard, or throws it away. Doesn't happen. There's no downfield passing game outside of the pocket anymore. That's gone. Okay, but I can live with him, Jordan, being a guy who can who can go off play action, turns back to the defense, and set up because of this run game and make the layup throws. The problem is, this year, the layup throws are not coming together either, and you've lost all yep. of that. So now this year in play action, the entire season, 100 of one, 100 completions, uh, 67 completions on 116 attempts. And I was off on the last one. I think I said 100. I was looking to the wrong side. It was, uh, he's had, let me see, 2021, 67 of 100. So he's 67%, but only 997. He's had nine big time throws and seven turnover worthy throws and play action alone. Five touchdowns, three interceptions. You look at non play action, the same poor stuff and even significantly worse than last year. Six, he's 170 of 280, 1,828 yards, 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. More turnover-worthy throws than big-time throws. 12 turnover-worthy throws from non-play action stuff, 11 uh, big-time throws. So it's like, okay, here's where we're at. A guy that, again, he shows me. I posted a photo. I know he's hurt. I get it. But the torque throws are still there. It's yep. just he doesn't want to do it. The mental part of the game has sped up so much for him. He's swimming out there. and he's So this year, he's not making the out-of-structure throws. We've already pitched that up and thrown it in the trash. It's not happening. Okay, is he making the rhythm throws? No, those aren't happening now. So now we're struggling there. Teams now are putting him in third and long. He's struggling there. No screen, 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on the year with just as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws. You can see that the progression that you want to be linear is going the opposite direction as teams get a bigger feel for who he is. I need to say this. I want to praise Baker Mayfield more than anybody, and I've done it a lot, and I've done it an immense amount. But what's happening is teams have solved him. He has not counter-solved what they do to him, and he's stubborn in his approach and stubborn in the way he goes about it, and he has not fixed it. Now, again, I get the shoulder harness. I get it. He deserves kudos for going out there, putting his body on the line. Totally understand. But what we're not talking enough about is that he has not come anywhere near solving what teams have put into, put into him from a coverage deception standpoint, from locking on to, the, to people that are reading his eyes in the secondary. He is not in any way, shape, or form a tick ahead of the defense, and it is a huge problem. No out of structure, now struggling in structure. Now you start to have the conversations the Browns are having about is there a better quarterback that we need to start looking at because it is a huge, huge problem. 
And, and I've talked about this a lot. He has admitted several times he will not, he doesn't want a private quarterback coach. He doesn't want to work with a Tom house, like, like, uh, like Brady does or Quincy Aver, any of these guys who are out there who are quarterback gurus who spend their time devoted to watching what you do mechanically and helping you fix it. Because what happens, Jordan, if, if, if your body, it's just like basketball or golf, it's all muscle memory. If the mind is going chaotic, I don't need the rest of my body to be going chaotic. The perfect example is the second interception that he throws, sails it over Jarvis's head because his feet and eyes are not tied. He's drifting. His, his, his front foot goes down the middle of the football field, and he's fighting it, trying to throw it to the right off of his back foot. He doesn't have the comfort and chaos with the entire body. He needs remade from the neck down, completely remade. How he approaches stressful situations because he is not, again, a quarterback who has enough arm talent to be able to throw any platform and make it work. Like he's not that dude. He has to get everything synced up. And when everything is synced up, he's really good. If he gets the uncoiling effect, the right rip with the front shoulder and the front foot, if it's all where it needs to be, it's really good. It's really good. He has enough arm strength, as good an arm strength as anybody, but he doesn't have the easy arm strength, right? He doesn't have the easy Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, those guys, Josh Allen, flick of the wrist arm strength. He doesn't have it. He's got to get everything into it. And if you're not getting everything into it from a mechanical standpoint to be lined up, to get everything squared away, then it's not going to be a continually consistent thing. And that's what we're talking about. He's not consistent. Why is he not consistent? Because does he put in the hours of technical study of his own approach, of his own mental make? Does he do those things? I've never heard one person talk about it. Never, never once. And to me, it's rearing its head in these situations. I get that he's beat up. I get it. But the thing you have to call back on when you're beat up is your mechanical understanding of doing all the right things and having that recognition of who am I as a quarterback. I'm not a guy who can get out and run for five yards. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not a scrambler. I shouldn't think that way. I should think about what do I need to do to deliver the football accurately all the time. Can I do that? Can I replicate that? He does not understand. I feel like there is a general misunderstanding from Baker Mayfield, whether through sheer stubbornness or or arrogance of who he is as a quarterback, because you have to understand who you are to find success. And I just talked for 10 minutes and I have a guest and I'm an, I'm an idiot, here. but this is like where I am. There, I, I feel like there's a massive lack of self-awareness about what he does well, because he does do some things well. That third and 16 throw to Richard Higgins, right before the pick to Jarvis Landry to end the half was an unbelievable throw. I posted it. I hope you watched it, Jordan. He's fading left, and he rips a ball where his feet, his eyes, his hips, and everything uncoils in perfection. And that thing is like a Roger Clemens fastball, and it's right on the money. But when he doesn't do that stuff, when he gets weary with the mechanics, when he gets lazy, when he starts to have the, the mind chaos filter down to the body chaos, it's a massive problem. And it's not just going to magically fix itself. You have to, excuse me, you have to work with somebody ad nauseum to fix it. Like, I think he's broken from the neck down, and then the head down is filtering to everything below, and that's why we're seeing this manifestation of a quarterback who's regressing. I'll shut up and let you respond, but, like, that's where I'm at. That's my full take on him. He can do plenty of NFL things, and you'll see that third and 16 throw, and it's like, that's the dude. He can do it. But then you'll see all these other throws in the game, and you're like, what the hell? How can you not? Pro- You're four years in, my man. Do you have the awareness of yourself and the defense to figure this out? And I just don't know anymore. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with almost all of what you said. And I think for me, it comes down to 
because he needs so much, talk about the torque that he sort of has to uh, generate uh, from his lower half because of his size and because that's just how he throws the ball. And he's, he's talked about it. He's aware of it. But because he needs to be able to generate that torque, he's always, you're always going to have to ask him on a lot of these throws, excuse me, to, um, to be set, you know, to be, like you said, have his eyes and his hips and his feet all tied. And he's got to take the time to do that before he throws. And I think that one, Jake, that just makes it, that's so hard to do in the NFL when you're not given a lot of time to have everything mechanically perfect. Um, so that one for me is like, especially now, like you said, he has sort of reverted back. You mentioned that where he sailed it to Landry. And I, I, I mean, multiple people have posted the screenshot. You look at his feet and when he lets that ball go and you're just like, my man, what are you doing? Like he wasn't even trying to set himself up and the pressure wasn't there yet for him to have to let the ball go like that. And, and so to think that like Baker needs to go back to square one almost with this sort of footwork and, and tying his body together is a really scary thought for somebody in year four, because I, you know, you, you may feel the same too, but it's just like, I don't have any faith like that. <laughs> you can rework this guy into getting all of that stuff back. So that's, that's a big one for me is just like how perfect it needs to be for him because of the torque he needs to generate because of his body type and his size that is just going to make it really difficult to consistently make those throws. I would say that even, you know, after 2018, there's just like, it's always going to be a bigger ask. But then my second thing here, Jake, is just like the field vision. And to me, it's the worst it's been, you know, he struggled with it a little bit in the first half of the, the season last year. Like we go back to, I think you and I, podcasted about it when he that pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick in that first Steelers game which was just like so brutal and that really we were like okay what's going on and then he sort of turned it around after that game but you know we we mentioned the double China route that we were just talking about earlier in this podcast where you know not exactly sure what his progressions are on that play but he didn't look like he ever looked at Jarvis Landry who that would have been a big catch and run there was I think the Packers initially showed like a too high look but they rolled one of the safeties down so there was one safety way back in the middle of the field. So Jarvis catches that ball and he has 20 yards to run. Um, and Baker doesn't really look at him. Um, but it's been happening even that the first interception where he, you know, they even talked to, they brought it up. I think Troy Aikman on the broadcast, they showed the all 22 where he misreads what the single high safety is doing. He thinks the safety is coming down to take Richard Higgins. The safety is not and runs back. He baits Baker a little, but he runs back with Donovan Peoples-Jones. And he throws it into double coverage, the interception, when you're looking at Richard Higgins on that little over who's just wide open for a big completion. And that's the type of thing that's happening every single week. And so for me, it's a combination of those two things. It's one, yes, mechanically, he is all over the place. And while, sure, there's some optimism that he can work on it, and when he's fully healthy, some of that stuff will be a little bit easier uh, for him. He's probably fallen into some bad habits just trying to compensate for his shoulder and his foot and all that stuff that's going on. And I get that, but I don't have a ton of faith that you can just completely rework it. And then two, it's not going to matter if he can't read the field. And I think for me, Jake, like that's been a consistent thing with him, even, you know, starting in 2019 uh, until now is he just doesn't see stuff. And I can't tell you how many chunk plays. I mean, you already know this from watching the all 22 every week, but how many plays are left on the field, even in wins where, there's somebody wide open and he's just not looking. And it's just, he, he really, to me has gone, this is where the ball's going right now. And I, I'm just not looking elsewhere. And it's really, it's, it's turned into sacks when that guy's not open. It's, 
it's just all of that together is like, okay, you know, your initial question is what is Baker Mayfield? And it's like, to me, Jake, right now, like he's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's what he is to me. He is a quarterback who, and Jimmy's playing better than Baker this year by a mile because Jimmy's making the layup throws. But I think as you saw in that game against Tennessee last week, Jimmy Garoppolo throws some absolutely horrid interceptions. And he also, sometimes you look at what he's seeing on the field and you're like, what is going on? And he, you know, the, the 49ers lost that game because of the interceptions that Jimmy G threw. Like it's very eerily similar to the game the Browns just played against the Packers. And um, is that the guy that you, you know, the 49ers unfortunately already gave Jimmy G that extension and now they have a quarterback in waiting. And so is what's the path for the Browns? Or do you want to give an extension to 2021 Jimmy Garoppolo? No, like the 49ers are, are have the door open to move on to Trey Lance. And So for me, it's like, well, you know, the Browns aren't in a position where they're going to have a top three pick. So, you know, they're not in a position where they can draft a quarterback and put him in waiting like a Trey Lance. But, you know, you are fooling yourselves if you think Andrew Barry and, and, and the staff in the front office aren't already exploring every option possible, because if you and I are talking about this stuff and and watching this stuff um, and, and thinking like, Hey, we don't, you know, this is crunch time for Baker Mayfield and it's gone in the opposite direction. Um, The options are a little less ideal for the Browns. Obviously there's a lot of things they're going to have to consider, but man, to me right now, that's what Baker is. He's Jimmy Garoppolo and I on a town with a talented roster around him. But when the quarterback plays poorly, like Baker is doing, it just completely holds everything back. And it's just, it's tough right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where you have to start asking yourself. If you're still all in on, on Mayfield as the future, what, what is, what is he really good at? Like, what is he, what is he going to give you? Because, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Lamar is having a down year too, clearly struggling, going through issues, but you also have to say, okay, Lamar's struggling, going through issues. He's also still run for 900 yards. And that's the thing. That is the thing. And that's the thing that helps guys like Lamar and Josh Allen as they were growing up in the league. Maybe they weren't a net positive from a pass perspective, but they were still providing run game additions that made them worth the growth process. Now, Mayfield started out as a better passer, but we've seen defenses figure him out. And now I ask the question, what is he giving you? Now, if he's a recreator, I've talked about this on this pod before, he's there. He's either recreators or creators at the position. If Mayfield can be a recreator, take a scheme that's created and recreate it and put it on the field. Kirk Cousins ceiling. You can live with that. There's an L there's, you know, there's always going to be talk to Minnesota fans. They want more, but that's NFL quarterback play. There's going to be good weeks. There's going to be bad weeks. Uh, But for the most part, you look at the data from Kirk by the end of the year, it's pretty dang good. It's been pretty good for a while. Now that's the ceiling to me for Mayfield is Kirk Cousins because Kirk has figured out how to do the things required in a Kubiak Stefanski offense uh, and even Shanahan offense, because that's who he came up with in Washington through McVay. Like they, he figured it out. He perfectly dialed into what exactly the quarterback needs to do in that role. Mayfield has not figured that out. Now, could he figure that out and become Kirk Cousins? Sure. Do you want to gamble 35 million a year on that? That starts to get dicey. It's not, we have to move on from the fact that Mayfield is like, adding this gigantic plus value as a creator. He's not a creator. Now creators can be Aaron Rodgers of the world or guys like Tom Brady of the world who they create gaps, holes, issues within a defense from pre-snap to post-snap. And Drew Brees was like this too. He knew exactly where to decipher the defense and go with the football. That's what he got to. Now, the question you have to ask is, do you want to be more patient with Mayfield and see if he can get there? Because sometimes it's not instantaneous for guys, or do you want to, you know, or do you want to just say, hey, I've seen the Wentz, Goff, 
Jimmy G deals and like, I'm not doing that. We're not doing it. We're going in a different direction. I don't know where the Browns go. I don't know what level of patience they want to have because the quarterback contracts are so much different now than they were for the Breeze, young Brady, young Roethlisberger's. They're, they're, they're ridiculous. They eat up so much of the cap that you have to have a guy who is a plus value player. You cannot give 30 plus million to a guy who is being drug along by other people. He has to provide added value. And again, I go back with the added value of what is the big value Mayfield is bringing. He's not creating different things through eye manipulation, through accuracy, through uh, tough one-on-one throws. He's not creating anything on the ground. So I, again, I think there's a place in the NFL for quarterbacks who the scheme recreators there's a place for him, but how much are you willing to give that guy? And if we've seen this year when he bottoms out and has a bad year, this is what you're looking at and you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere fast. So like that is the question. And the question that you and I did a pod before the year, Jordan, where we talked about this is a range of outcomes and like we're in the thick of it. And it's a tough, it's a tough question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep. No, we are in the we are in the thick of it. This is unfortunately, you know, the worst case scenario, sort of like we laid out in that pod before the season. Like, what if this happens and what if Baker regresses? And and it's like, here we are. And I think, Jake, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, the options for the Browns. And I think it's still way too hard, you know, to know, like, OK, are any of the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, even yeah. Derek Carr type thing? Are they going to be available? No idea. So until we get to that, it's all point, unexpected. It, it's it, all it, unexpected. It pops so, up out of nowhere. Who saw Russ and Aaron wanting to be dealt last offseason? Yep. No one, no one so, knows. No, nobody knows. But, you know, then it comes to a situation where it's like, you know, Matt, Matt Stafford has definitely come back down to earth in Los Angeles. But I think there's they'd still do that trade 10 out of 10 times. And um, this could, you know, on one end shape up to be an offseason where there are some pretty talented quarterbacks coming available, but the price is going to be steep. But the other thing, you know, until we know what that's going to be, it's like, OK, I can I can sort of understand the idea of, OK, Baker heals up gets his surgery over the offseason comes back and you say okay fifth year this is like a prove it year you're healthy like let's go out and try to run this back my thing with that is it i think it make it it makes it incredibly awkward for both sides it makes it awkward for baker mayfield who's gonna have to go out every single week feeling like if i don't play well this is it yeah and then it makes it awkward for the front office because even if he has a decent season are they going to be like, okay, well, let's franchise them and do this another year. Let's franchise like what's what happened with Dak Prescott and in Dallas where that was a nightmare of a situation for a while. And Dak was like visibly unhappy and just like all of that. And I think it just makes it, it adds a lot more pressure. And I, you know, so far Baker Mayfield has not, uh, not done very well uh, under pressure. And now you're talking about a whole season of, Hey man, you got to play well. Um, it just, it seems uncomfortable. And I don't think that's what either of them want to do where like, I mean, Jake, I don't know the last quarterback that just played on the fifth year extension without or on the fifth year of his contract without having any sort of, you know, desire for the, the team to like sign him to an extension. It's just a very sort of like unprecedented, awkward situation. And I'm just not sure if the Browns want to do that and if Baker wants to do that. Like Baker 
I think there's a lot of people that think Baker's going to take whatever the Browns throw at him. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's going to let them just like sign a low ball offer or like take something way under market of like a $25 million per year or whatever. So I think it just puts everybody in such an awkward spot, man. And so it's just like, I have no idea what they're going to do. Do I, I still think that maybe playing out the fifth year is the most likely scenario, I guess. Like I can't imagine the Browns offering him an extension that he's going to be happy with monetarily. But man, I just, I don't know, where are you, where are you at in terms of what you think the most likely scenario kind of with Baker after this season is? Yeah, so I made a, a mistake on the other day. I wanted to correct this. I'm glad you reminded me. I said no quarterbacks have played on the fifth year. That was wrong. They, they Winston and Mariota both played on the fifth year, and I believe okay. the other one was Ryan Tannehill. They, they all three played on the fifth year option. None of them were re-signed. The next yep. year, I believe each of them <laughs> were uh, let go and they moved on. And so now, again... Is it possible that Baker has a great fifth year? He comes back healthy? Sure. And if that happens, I'm sure the Browns will either tag him or they'll find a way to make the contract work. Listen, the best outcome possible here for everybody is that Baker Mayfield comes back on the fifth year and shows he's a completely different player and he shuts us all up and he shows us this path to stardom because that means the Browns don't have to give up a any assets. And that matters because, you know, you, you really need to fix wide receiver in the second defensive end and you need to add a D tackle. You don't, you don't have to give up any draft assets to go get a quarterback this off season. That's a win. And trust me, I know that you think that I'm down on Baker and you maybe think Jordan's down on Baker and some other people. And while that's true because I assess play, I don't do fandom with this whole thing. I want him to be good. I post great throws he has. That third and 16 throw on Twitter, I'd have to post that if I was an agenda guy. I'm trying to show you that he still can do these things. He just doesn't do them. He doesn't do them enough. And I, my job is to show you the fact of how a guy is playing. I want nothing more than to turn on film like the Josh Allen clip that was thrown up today by Pro Football Focus where he oh, makes man. five absurd throws and show them to you. That nothing gives me he more pleasure. Was... It's, he was something else yesterday. It, and it sucks. But nonetheless, let's not go down that alley right now. Yeah, let's like, not do it. Yep. <laughs> like <laughs> what what I'm saying is it I've said it a couple times is it's most plausible he comes back on the fifth year. The data for that outcome is clearly not good. It is not shown that the relationship goes any further than that fifth year. There are some examples of guys not taken in the first round, like Cousins, for example, who didn't go to the fifth year option because they don't get that in their contract, but did get tagged and stuck around and it worked for a while. But nonetheless, he even moved on to another team for his next contract. So where we sit today is not promising. Could they work out a deal like Jimmy G, very incentive laden, very roster bonus based laden where the Browns could get out of it if they wanted to get out of it without killing themselves? Yes. Do I think a deal happens this offseason? No, not at the current tone. Now. We're recording this on Monday, two weeks left. He balls out the next two weeks. They make the playoffs and he has a good playoff little run there. Probably changes maybe the look of the whole thing. But as we sit here today, I have a hard time seeing them like doing anything with him in terms of a new contract. They can't cut him because that's an 18 million dead cap. So the only thing you're talking about here is the possibility that they trade him. Some team could look at him. The Texans, again, not going down that lane, but as a team example, could Green Bay, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere, but an example. Could Seattle say, well, we'd rather start with Baker Mayfield than a pick, and a, we don't know who the guy's going to be. We'll take Baker, we'll see if we can fix him, and then we'll address it later because maybe our roster isn't even in the position to go win right now, for example, with Seattle. So I don't know. I, I think that they're going to explore all kinds of names. They're going to explore Matt Ryan. They're going to explore um, – Help me out if I'm missing anybody else. Derek Carr trade. They're going to look at it. They're yep. going to see, is any of this worth doing? 
if it is seen as a huge upgrade, they might do it because Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski know how the NFL works. They were not tied to drafting him. I know that Andrew Barry was here and Deep Podesta were here when John Dorsey made the decision, but who knows how much involvement they had in it. And you also were four years removed from it. So you have hindsight to say, well, it didn't work. If they yep. have a and realistic, go ahead. I was just going to say too, on that note, you know, there is, I, I believe it's, a ringer article that Kevin Clark did where he profiled Andrew Barry. It might've been ahead of this season, but there, you know, there are multiple quotes from Andrew Barry, who, especially after his time in Philadelphia, where he said, my philosophy and what I've been taught is that the quarterback is the most important part of the football team. And, and until you have that, you don't really have anything. I mean, there are straight up on the record quotes. So like mm -hmm. Andrew Barry knows you know like he may you know he may not speak to the media all that much and when he does he doesn't say a whole lot but if you read some articles especially over the offseason about his philosophy like it is right there in print for you to see for sure and like i said and i'm sure a lot of people are saying the same things they can go trade for a big name that hurts because you're giving up yep. multiple picks that they need to really fill out the roster for said player their wide receiver room is a disaster they got to fix it the only way to really do that with a legitimate hope for the future is to draft a guy in a loaded class so tough could still see them saying chicken egg theory. I'd rather have the quarterback and figure out the other stuff than having all the other weapons and trying to figure out quarterback later. Like I completely understand that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did it, but it still remains a small outcome. Could they go uh, draft a quarterback? They could, could take a middle round guy, take a shot on somebody that they want to like uh, Ely from Western Michigan could go that route. Ton of different routes. They could go there. Still. You don't want to take uh you want to take Desmond Ritter in the first round like that. I'm going to pass round? on that. going to pass on that <laughs> firm pass. Just want to put that okay. on the record. That guy, I just want to do on the record. Pro yeah, yeah, probably yeah. a nice guy. A little worried about the draft networks future. <laughs> I'm just saying like the, the, the level it takes of whatever. Anyway, I'm going to yeah. get in trouble, but um. Then the other option is signing a journeyman type who's somebody who's floundered somewhere else and trying to catch like a Tannehill in a bottle, like going out and signing Trubisky or Mariota and saying, hey, come in and compete. If Baker struggles kind of the way Mariota struggled his fifth year, we'll throw you in. We'll give you a chance the way Tannehill got to go in for Mariota. So that's the other two outcomes. The third outcome, which to me, again, remains the most plausible is Baker plays his fifth year. They have Nick Mullins be the backup. If Baker absolutely bottoms out, you could throw Mullins in and whatever. Or, you know, Baker might even get through the whole year. Who knows what happens and maybe plays adequate to below average and then they make a decision after 22. That's where I'm at with it. I don't have no. the answer for you. I don't think anybody does. But if you're sitting here trying to tell people to feel guilty about feeling bad about the quarterbacks that came before Baker, you're, you're fooling yourself. You should stop doing that because they're going to continue to explore every single position to see if there are upgrades out there. Baker has had plenty of opportunity now with this regime to prove I'm the guy, pay me, show and, and, and show it. And he hasn't done it. He has not done it. And they're doing their due diligence by going to see if they can solve it with a better performer at the position. Might ultimately mean they don't do that this year. But down the line, we are you're kidding yourself if you don't see the data of how this has all worked out for all these other guys and understand that that this is headed toward a divorce at some point. I don't know what the exact point of that divorce will be. It's headed there unless there's just a miracle solution. And I, hell, I would love to talk about the miracle would be awesome to talk about a miracle of them figuring it out. Uh, and, and that's, but that's going to take a lot of work. And again, to me, Jordan, that is huge amounts of Baker Mayfield swallowing his pride and saying, yep. I need to get right this off season. I need to get my head right. I need to be able to handle the chaos in my mental part to handle the chaos with my physical part. But that admit, that involves him taking self-blame and not being stuck. And he's done a decent job. He skipped some pressers, but like 
He's done a decent job at taking blame after games, but has he done the self-evaluation of himself to say, I do these things well, I don't do these things well. How can I accentuate the things I do well? Haven't given me any inclination he's willing to do that but we'll see again i'm rooting for the miracle that they fix this and get on track and he signs a 40 million dollar deal after the end of 22 or whatever yeah it's and and i think what makes it all so much more frustrating too is like man you think about that packers game they were down two points on a with a drive to win the game against the number one seed the nfc against a very good packers team and they've been in all of these games you know and it's just so despite the struggles and despite everything that's gone on, they have been right there. And the season could look so much different if, you know, Baker hits a few plays here and there. And that's what makes it so frustrating. And it's also like, that's what you said. You know, you talk about like, okay, does he have the willingness to sort of go back and work on some of the fundamentals? And it's frustrating when you hear on the broadcast, like oh, Baker's told us his, his shoulder's the healthiest it's ever been and he's feeling great. And then he goes out and he just looks exactly the same. Like he hasn't attempted to change anything especially with the footwork stuff you know and the mechanics because cool if you're telling people you're healthy man if you're letting that stuff out and you're saying that in, in pre-game meetings with with troy and joe and then you're going out there and you're you're still playing this poorly then that remains concerning because you're making a point to tell people you feel good now whereas you know at the beginning of the season and like fair enough you you know eventually you were like look i'm playing shitty because i tore my labor and like all this stuff I'm like okay man I, we get it but now if you're going the opposite way and you're still playing poorly like it's just a lot of things have to uh, this off season. And, and Hey, like you said, like it would be amazing. The, the Steelers game is incredibly winnable. The chiefs beating the Bengals because the chiefs still are trying to get that one seed and they're getting Kelsey and Tyree kill back. Like all of this is very realistic stuff. Like that Browns Bengals game could very realistically be for the AFC North. And then you just throw your chips in and you see how that game goes. So like, this is all still somehow <laughs> insanely probable, even despite all of this. But yeah, we're we're, we're way down the the Mayfield negativity rabbit hole, which is again, it's yep. it's we're down it because it's just like fact of how these things seem to have gone and his decline in play. It, but it's like outduel Ben Roethlisberger's final game in Heinz Field. Go over there, yeah, outduel yep. him, play really well. Come home and beat the guy who's Joe Burrow might end up getting MVP votes if you outduel him to get into the playoffs and win the division and win a home playoff game. The, the conversation changes. It'll so just, shift. It'll shift just, real yeah, quick. hundred percent. Just like the Brown season has been, you know, like a, a whole season of, of, I can't believe they can still salvage this. Mayfield is still in the able to salvage some of the discussion around a season. We're not going to forget the struggles, but like you can change the, the, like the fact of how your season has gone to put yourself back in a better light with the fan base and which will ultimately obviously help. You haven't won the division since 89. If you're able to win the division and say I took the Brown, you know, I was a part of the Browns team that went to the playoff. I'm not saying he took because I hate that part of the NFL lexicon. Like as a part of the, as a quarterback of the Browns team to go to their first playoff, win their first playoff game since, you know, what what, what was it? uh, 94, 95? It was 1895, I think uh, was the year. Well done. It might as well be. And then, (laughs) and then I took, you know, as the quarterback for the Browns team to win the division for the first time since 89, that stuff will help. That stuff helps you at the bargaining table. That's stuff helps change the feeling around your football team and and your franchise. And that's what, if he can do it, I will be here to sing his praises for doing it. No problem with doing that. But what we're looking at here on Monday, December 27th is the fact of a season that has went way awry and has proven that he might not be the guy. Now the injury stuff could go in. It could, could really buy him another year. There really could be, let's give him, let's get him healthy and run it back and see what happens. Um, But we don't know. We don't know where it's going. 
and the discussions around Mayfield are more than fair. And if you don't think they're fair, it's because you just don't want to accept reality right now. So again, more than willing to sing his praises if he can figure it out the rest of the way. I think we've been fair to him here and fair about the situation that is at hand. And um, Jordan, uh, anything you want to close with or, or did we hash it out for us? No, we, it was a good hash out. And I think, you know, it's, I think we are, yeah, just trying to look at it in what the reality is. And I think last week was one of those games where you really have to, you know, take time and, and say, because of, you know, I think a lot of times too, like people just forget the context of this is, this is the window that the Browns have with a guy on a rookie quarterback, you know, on a contract for a rookie scale contract. And because of that, these four years are incredibly important. And because then you have to, like we just discussed, then you have to make the decision on fifth year option and on the extension. And so like, it's not only that he's not playing well, it's that he's not playing well at the most inopportune time when there has to be a decision made. And this is just how stuff is structured in the NFL, you know? So like that makes it so much more urgent. If this was year two, you know, I mean, like he struggled in year two, obviously, and we had those conversations, but there wasn't the urgency. There was, okay, there's, we still got year three to, for him to bounce back year four, but we're, we're now at the point you know, where the the window is closing and you have to figure out, unfortunately, if he's that guy you want to, you know, again, like we've rehashed, give 30 million plus dollars to. So this is also why we're having this conversation about Baker, because this is the context and the window that it's in. And, and it's, I think people sometimes also sort of forget that, that um, this is kind of the evaluation period. It is what it is. And the front office has to, you know, take that into account as they look to move forward. So I, as much as anyone, I was, on the edge of my seat on that final drive against the Packers, even though they had played so poorly and I was so frustrated with Baker and I just like was not enjoying myself. It was just like, listen, man, sitting there with my brother watching the game, they've got one drive, beat the Packers in Lambeau on Christmas and, it, and they were so close. And so I am as frustrating as the season has been. I am, I already feel myself excited about the game in Pittsburgh. Like it's such a winnable game and there are just, we keep getting these opportunities for Baker and the rest of the team to, to play well and just get themselves into the playoffs. And then it's a new season. So, you know, that's where, that's where I'm at as negative and as tough as the season has been. And there's absolutely no denying it's probably as frustrated as I've been with the Browns team in a while. There's still these opportunities. So, you know, hopefully we can have a different conversation, but this is just the reality of it. And I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's just is what it is because this is the window. And and maybe if we could have conversations about quarterbacks making like if Baker was willing to take like fourteen million a year, yeah, I could you know. But it's like these conversations. I just don't think it's realistic, 30, you know. Thirty million yep. a year or nothing, and it's just the weirdest thing to me, Jordan. Where if you're going to keep a quarterback, I w- I would have no issue keeping Baker if you could keep him in like the ten to fourteen range. If you keep him for four yeah. years, fourteen a year. And, and use that other money to make things around him better because he's going to get carried. Maybe they could rewrite the whole process here. I don't know, but the process is weird to me where either you're a guy who makes 5 million a year as a, as a, as a Joe, nobody, or you're a guy who makes 30 million a year. It's like, yeah. are, we and what's not, so frustrating. are we not allowed to sign someone in the middle of that? Like that is so weird yeah. to me because if there's a self-evaluation for Mayfield, Hey man, I really haven't earned that 30 million, but I would gladly take 13, 14 a year until, you know, like four years. And then if I figure this out by the end of that contract, I could get a big, I don't know. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. Quarterback contracts, man. It's weird. And then, you know, it's frustrating too, because the market, you know, both with the Rams, with Goff and then the Eagles (laughs) with Carson Wentz, they sort of, you know, that, that the baseline of the, I think, um, 
I think Wentz was or Goff was making 33 million on that extension. And then I think, um, cause I just looked this up. I think Wentz was making 32 million a year. So it's like they set the market at that point and the Rams, I can at least understand the Wentz one a little bit because he obviously, you know, took them uh, the year he got hurt and they won the Super Bowl, but he was, you know, an MVP caliber quarterback yeah. that season. So at least there's a little bit of understanding there. I think the Rams probably knew deep down what they had with Jared Goff and they still gave him that extension. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. The market gets set. And then, you know, a quarterback like Baker, who has had some success and has that playoff win to sort of lean on can be like, well, yeah, sure. I struggle. But like, look at what these QBs got. I'm not taking anything less than that. And it's what are you supposed to do? You know, you're just like, that's what the market is. And now it's like a little bit of a slap in the face to be like, hey, Baker, I get that, but you're playing really poorly. We want to give you 20 million. And what does Baker say to that? I just can't see any scenario where Baker's like, you know what, you're right. That's all I'm worth. I'm going to take that. I just it's really yeah. hard for me to see that. So it's for us. It's, it's tough, man. It's a tough spot. It's like the market has been set to either keep them or let them go. You're either 100%. like, you're either like a, a, an, an under 10 mil quarterback or an over 30 mil quarterback. And if you're in the middle of that, no discussion to be had, can't have that discussion about you. Like, it's like, that's a really weird thing. And it dawned on me like 10 minutes ago during this pod, like why can't you work out a deal for a guy who's like a two seventy hitter and like, yeah, maybe yep. he doesn't hit 50 homers, but he hits 20 and he hits 15. Yeah, and have it and have it not be a negative sort of like, oh, they're that's a they're lowballing me. Yeah, you know, like, like that's yeah. not what it is, man. This is what your value is right now. Yeah, like recognize, okay, hey, we'll give you 15 mil a year, Baker. Why do you want to only give me 15? Well, you haven't earned 30, and I'd like to take that other 15 to get more players around you. Okay. Yep. Sounds fair yeah. to me. Let's do it. Like that should be a conversation that needs to be had. I don't know. Maybe we need to get with the NFL and say what's up, but it's like this unwritten rule <laughs> out there that doesn't make a ton of sense to me where you're either in this threshold or that threshold. And we pitch all these young quarterbacks. We just throw them away because if you don't fit in the 30 million bucket, we're not going to waste any more time with you. If you want to develop quarterbacks over the long haul and get more Brady breeze, Roethlisberger types, why don't you give them a little more time? Well, the GMs don't think they can get more time because they got trigger happy owners who want to fire everybody when something goes wrong for a year. And then you get these quarterback contracts where you either can pay them a ton or you pay, you let them go. There's no in between. So there's no process of coming along. Like Baker Mayfield's making 18 next year. That's too much for me with how he's playing. If he was making 12, 15, cool. Could see it. But like, that 18 million a year to me right now even feels like a stretch, but I could also still kind of maybe get behind a deal that he was like a four year, 18 million a year. Deal I was going to say, I could, could swallow 18 million a year as an extension. Like fine. Like, yeah. you know, if that's something he's fine with, but yeah, it's just not, be, I think, yeah, like you said, because of what the market has been and the, what the perception is when a front office decides, Hey, we're not going to give you like the baseline market value for a quarterback extension. Then it's looked at as like, Oh, well they don't believe in him at all. Where it, yeah. in reality, it's just, you know, Baker knows how he's played, you know, there's good no for secret you there, and good for so. us. Can't we yeah, make that exactly. work? <laughs> I mean, like exactly. you get, you get to get decent money, pretty good money here still. And you get to have a, a Garrett Wilson and Hey, maybe we'll go sign a, uh, hypothetical on Michael Gallup. You want those guys? Okay, let's do that. And then maybe in four years, you're ready to handle the burden. The game has slowed down for you. You're really deciphering defenses now. It's like, okay, I get it now. Baker's elevating everybody around him. And it didn't happen on the time frame we wanted to. Maybe it didn't happen on the Dak Prescott time frame or whatever, but it happened. And we'll give you 35, 40 million a year now because we get it and you get it and we're good. So it's just really weird, but this is a good conversation, man. It turned into mostly Mayfield and that's okay because that's what we're all kind of focused on right now. But uh, Jordan, these are always great, man. I know the, the listeners always appreciate it too, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to kind of get into this and, and get all the thoughts out. And um, 
Yeah, man. We uh, we'll see. Two weeks to go. A lot of a lot of scenarios still in play. So um, it's never it's never boring with the Browns, Jake. I uh, that's been my motto for as as long as I've been watching them since '99. So it, it's it is truly never boring. Never boring, and gives you enough moments in your life where you're sitting there with your arm on the chair, lean back, staring across the living room, asking yourself, "Why do I do this?" <laughs> yeah, it gives you just pain. just pain. Unrivaled moments of why do I do this. <laughs> in your life so thanks again to jordan for coming on the show appreciate that he's great make sure you're following him on twitter checking out the check down where they do fantastic stuff as usual thanks for joining this supporting the twitch supporting the obr website or this podcast means the world to me reminder spotify reviews are out there if you listen on spotify you can now review the podcast would appreciate that very much so uh check that out if you can and then uh lastly check out uh, tonight's monday or well this pod will go out on tuesday so check out the tuesday chalk talk That'll be up with the All-22 film, and we can uh, cover a bunch of different points on, on all three phases as we traditionally do at 7 o'clock Tuesday night. So thanks again, everybody, for checking out today's show. Thanks to Jordan again for joining. Appreciate all of you. Have a great day. Happy holidays, and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.